0: Welcome to the Xeno Podcast, where we try to make sense of the strange. Today, we have our friend and fellow English major, Scott Mielstein. Did I say that right? That's right. <laughs> Scott Mielstein. It's a pretty complicated spelling. It's a hard name. Yeah, just before we started recording, we were talking about whether or not you should have a pen name. Right. It's a good question. Yeah. What are, like, the best pen names of of history?
1: Of history. <laughs> I don't know. We were just learning uh, in one of my classes about uh, George Eliot. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good pen name because she was actually a woman.
2: Ooh. And yeah, no. I mean... me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, if she didn't have a pen name, maybe nobody would have even accepted her. So that's a,
2: yeah.
1: it's a
0: good thing to think about.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Lemony Snicket. Is that a name? Yeah. Well, it's not his actual name. Nobody knows not. who he is.
0: Is that what it is? Like, no one yeah. knows who he is?
2: For the series of unfortunate events, I mean, I always like, saw it.
0: I guess that makes sense. Sounds like a candy. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's lemony why <laughs> <laughs> like a gross. Candy. Snickets.
0: Yeah. What? Well, yeah. Like, want some lemony snickets? <laughs> <laughs> really? It might be an unfortunate it event. <laughs> 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 it has too many consonants. Just snickets. You know? Snickets. And lemony. Lemony is kind of a a softer sound, but then yeah. Snicket just comes through like oh, Snicket yeah. cricket. It's like snickers. Like a lemon bar. Snickers that's what it that makes me think of. Fine. Yeah. yeah. There's something about good. lemony and then stick it together.
1: <laughs> lemony Snickers. That's
2: why he picked it. It's yeah. an anomaly. Hmm. Yeah. Mark Twain? Yep.
1: What it's is Twain? Here. Like rope? It's like it's, yeah. some nautical thing, right?
2: Yeah. He was strained on a, steam a steamboat. A I think. Oh, yeah. And that's how they measure the waters. And they call out Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Yeah. It's like, that's me. <laughs> that's me. He's like, yes. what? <laughs> He's like, not you. <laughs> not yet.
0: Not you, Samuel <laughs> Clemens. <laughs> Yeah. Cleminy snicket. Clemeny snicket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well
2: anyway. great. Well, Scott is a great poet and he's here to know. talk about his poems coming out in a book, I guess. You're printing it. Yeah,
1: I'm working on I'm okay. working on a book. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's called um, Thoughts from Yesterday. Nice. So it's just a compilation of poetry that I've been working on for quite a while
0: three or four years wow
2: so, yeah. wow so you've been at it for a while
0: yeah. yeah like what set you to start trying to write a poetry book I guess when did you start writing poems?
1: well yeah actually In initially I didn't set up to write a book at all I just uh actually it's funny I used to hate poetry um,
2: <laughs> really?
1: I I didn't understand I, I mean like as a little kid like I feel like most little kids like 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 Dr. Seuss or like you know the, the poem, <laughs> or some older kids. No, but like I feel like, uh, I mean, most people like rhyming poetry, like when they're kids, you know, because there's just like an initial attraction to rhyming words. Right. But like after I figured out that like modern poetry doesn't rhyme, I feel like I was kind of felt I kind of felt betrayed. You know, <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like, if it's not rhyming, then it's not poetry. It's and not like, clever. what it, what's the purpose of it? It's just you know. I mean, it's just, like, prose, just without without normal lines. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah so I Yeah, it's just weirdly it. spaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I remember just, I had that, too, for sure. Yeah. Like, even up until through college, I didn't really like poetry. I mean, yeah. I liked songs and lyrics, yeah. but it always would rhyme. Right. Uh, I remember the first thing that really changed my perspective of poetry was when we studied uh, people like T.S. Eliot. Yeah. And uh, Actually, me, too. Ezra Pound, that's his name? Wow. Yeah, Pound? Ezra Pound. Yeah, just the craziest, like modern poetry. Yeah. yeah. It just showed, like, what you can really do with poetry.
1: Yeah. Was like, wow. Yeah, actually, I got really into, um, The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot.
0: That's my um, favorite poem.
1: Yeah, I love that poem. I and think I'm
0: actually gonna write my senior paper on that one. Oh, you should, man. It's so good. It's so metal.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, that's kind of what brought me into liking poetry better, also, is, like, people like T.S. Eliot, but I remember, yeah, so I didn't like poetry, and then there was this one night, I was probably like 14, 15, and I was just feeling like kind of down and I was a little bit depressed mm-hmm. and I just felt like writing. And so I started writing and this, this poem just came out onto the page and it was really like old fashioned, like mm-hmm. old timey poem. It kind of <laughs> sounds like, a, it's like a Tennyson, it's like a Tennyson style. Because I don't know. I think like when you're 13, 14, like that's kind of what you think of as good poetry. At least that's yeah. what I did. you know I was just like, I just want to sound like official, you know. <laughs> and so like, but I don't know, that, that's just what, that's just what came out on the page and I remember finishing it and feeling like, wow, like those are the emotions that I was feeling, and I was able to express them. And I didn't know if anybody else would enjoy it or right. anything. And sometimes still, I don't know if anyone else enjoys it, but I, I, at least I felt like, you know, like those are my emotions and it just felt good to get them out onto the page. Yeah. Do you still have that poem? Yeah. Yeah. It's called, uh, wonder, (laughs) it's called wonder plus sorrow, but.
2: Would you ever like put it in your book or is it just oh, not your know. style I, anymore? I would have like, <laughs> I would have girl. to edit it
0: yeah. pretty thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like a nice memorabilia. Yeah, <laughs> just how, like it all came from this. Yeah. yeah. Just That's like so nice. early stuff. But did you show it to anybody?
1: Yeah, I think I I, I think I showed it to like my parents, mm-hmm. you know. And my parents like this is interesting. Like I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, I grew up in Utah, and um, and so I always kind of grew up with this feeling that like I didn't know if creative things were really valued, like and especially I think Utah culture really values like usefulness and like taking care of your fam- family economically. Yeah. What's yeah. Yeah. A a of, yeah. Yeah. And certain amount monetarily. Yeah. Kind of utilitarianism, you know. So. I don't know. So I always kind of felt a little bit like, ah, this is like the direction I like to go. Like I like creative things. I like art, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know if it was something that other people would like.
0: Do you think like that, uh, that attitude of not really valuing art has to do with, at least it seems like to me, it would have to do with the fact that there's so much out there already, not just in terms of classics, but in terms of, modern people doing it that could be it It just discourages you like oh there's just this
2: and everybody can do it everybody can put it online right yeah i thought i thought a lot about
1: how at least in utah you know you have this whole frontier mindset you know that's kind of been passed down generation to generation and like i mean if you think about like pioneers coming to utah like they probably weren't that worried about poetry you know like they were just worried about survival and i feel like that's a lot of the case with america like it's a pretty new place and so people value like what you can do with your hands, like how you can make money, but like art I think art has been pushed to, to side mm-hmm. a little bit like because like like it's like when any of us are talking to our friends and they're like you're an English major, so like how are you, <laughs>
2: what are you going to do? Uh, how after are you going to survive, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. But I I just think there's this general mentality in America that if like, oh, like why are you doing that if you can't
0: make money? You know, right. And well, Scotty, this yeah. brings us to the question: <laughs> Why are you an English major? Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <Audrey>? Indeed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes,
1: I am an English major, a reluctant English major. Yeah.
2: Sure. Did you switch your major, or has it always been English?
1: Um, I just didn't choose a major oh, okay. for a long time. Yeah. For like two years, and then I was forced into choosing a major because <laughs> <laughs> my advisor is like, "Well, you gotta pick one, or else we're gonna." Kick you out, so okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, very forceful. (laughs) What was
0: it between English and?
1: Uh, I've always been really interested in art, so I thought Mm -hmm. about being an art major. But I knew that the art program here was focused on like realistic art, and that's not really what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And I also thought about doing humanities or anthropology, which I'm
0: also
2: really interested in. But nice. Well, you chose the right major, (laughs) Scott. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's a good one. So.
0: It's yeah. definitely not for everybody. That's a little disclaimer. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of not reading. For the a lot thing. of writing. Hearted. If you don't
1: like reading, don't do it. Or writing. Yeah. Writing yeah. research papers. Exactly. I just uh. died last night with a research paper. Oh,
0: man. I have yet to mm-hmm. write a pretty solid research paper. <laughs> 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 solid isn't like is real. <laughs> a block of text. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not so much like really killer. <laughs> like a good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yet to write a full one, huh? Yeah be rough but it's interesting
2: yeah no it's
1: good skills I think I think the best thing so far about being an English major I think is like just being exposed Mm -hmm. to a lot of old literature because Uh, I think I've always had a curiosity of like trying to get into older classic literature but it's hard on your own you know like if you don't have somebody to guide you through it to like say like this is why this is important this is why this makes sense and I've I found that's really helpful with the professors.
2: Yeah. That's interesting because you're so, I feel like your style is so modern. Yeah. How do you take inspiration from a classic or like an older poem? Yeah, I actually,
1: I feel like a lot of my inspiration lately has come from the romantic poets. Really? Yeah. Um, I took a class last semester um, from Dr. Han on campus and it was uh, English Romantic literature. And... I had never really read any romantic poetry before. But, like, once I started understanding, like, the theory behind their poetry and, like, how they composed it, Mm. I felt like, man, like, this is me, you know? Like, this is... (laughs) I I guess that's kind of... Because, like, obviously I don't know if I can measure up to the romantics ever, but, like, like, this is, like, what I feel like motivates my poetry, you know? And, like, I can understand what these guys are saying. And, like, I never understood, like... Edgar Allan Poe's method of, like, carefully constructing poetry and, like, watching every little syllable, because, like, the romantics are more focused on spontaneous feelings, and Mm -hmm. that's what I like.
0: Interesting. So I mean, I guess, like, you're always going to be taking inspiration from other things. Like uh, Picasso said something to the effect of, like, good artists imitate, great artists steal.
1: Yeah. And
0: then Banksy took that quote and he spray painted over it and he was like, Banksy, like he like wrote his (laughs) name. (laughs) It's a genius move. I know it's so smart. That guy's cool or group, whatever it is,
2: (laughs) whatever, whatever he is or she (laughs) is, whatever, the entity entity. of
0: Banksy is.
2: Yeah.
0: If you're listening,
2: (laughs) (laughs) hopefully that'd be great. Get some viewers, some listeners. So who's like, who's somebody that inspires you? Like, in general, it doesn't uh, have to be romantic. Um, like a poet? Yeah, sure. Or anybody. Anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I really, for, for a long time, I was really inspired by Emerson, actually. Mm-hmm. I really liked Emerson. Um, but lately, I've started to, like I said, I really like Wordsworth, the romantic poet. He's great and I like his ideas about nature. I've been thinking a lot about nature and how it impacts our lives, how, I, I, I was thinking a lot last semester about, you know, if you live in a city and like all you see is man-made objects, then that's what you interpret as reality. You know, you mm-hmm. say like, okay, I'm always seeing skyscrapers, I'm always seeing chairs, I'm always seeing all these things. And like, when you're looking at that, you're like, this is what the world is you know but that's not completely true really and like when you go out into nature you say you see oh this is what the world is you know and i think i think the danger in interpreting man made objects as reality is that people are imperfect you know and so the things that we create are imperfect and so when we're looking at reality that way we're saying reality sucks you know <laughs> reality yeah. is this mechanical thing right. that um, that is disappointing, you know, but I think when you look at nature I believe God made nature, you know, God created nature, and so I think there's a lot that we can learn from viewing nature and realizing that that is a big part of reality and it's a lot closer to the ideal than man-made creations, so that's what's been Wow. Inspiring my poetry lately.
0: How do you think like the Emersonian versus the Wordsworthian view of nature is different? Because I have only read Emerson yeah. and his ideas on nature. Yeah. I haven't read any Wordsworth.
1: Yeah, the funny thing is, is I think <laughs> Emerson stole a lot of ideas from Wordsworth. <laughs> Getting mm. back to this, you know, artist true artist steal. Yeah. I mean, like, I first read Emerson, you know, and Emerson is all about originality, which is the <laughs> ironic thing. He's like, you know, don't listen to your forebears, you know, like listen to the soul, you know. And but then, then I started reading Wordsworth, and I'm like, what the heck, like Emerson, <laughs> like you stole this straight from Wordsworth, you know, like Wordsworth. And and then I was taking this Renaissance class this semester, and Wordsworth stole it from this other guy named <laughs> wow. uh, uh, Brown. He wrote, this, he wrote this book called Religio Medici, I think, and I was reading that and I was like, this is just the romantics, you know, <laughs> in the Renaissance. And so, I mean, I think good ideas, you know, find expression in, like, all times, you know. But so, like, w- when you ask, like, how are they different, like, I think, I think Emerson, he voices it differently. But he's saying kind of the same thing. And Emerson really does it through prose and Wordsworth does it through poetry, which I appreciate.
0: So it's like archetypal criticism basically sure. is like where that comes from, that idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh be original, but if you want to have a good story, you're gonna have to rely <laughs> on these back. other you're things. Have to not be original. <laughs> <laughs> There's just deep rooted yeah. things, you know. Yeah that, that we come, like to hear. Come out in different yeah. forms.
1: Yeah. And humans are always gonna respond to the same things probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, like the the search for truth and this like, yeah. there is something that's mysterious about nature because yeah. we are we feel like we're separated from it. But if you take if you like view people as animals, uh-huh. everything that we make is nature. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's both something that's understandable and something that's mysterious.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting. It's weird also because I've also thought about how. You know, some poets, like, idealize nature, right? Like, nature is this perfect godlike ideal. like I've been talking about, you know? But, like, there's also a lot of bad things about nature. You know, like, if you're really, like, watching animals, like, they kill each other all the time, you know? And, like, it's a painful thing. Like, people are always dying, animals are always dying, plants are always dying, and nature is violent, you know? Nature isn't, like some peaceful ideal. I remember sitting sitting on the beach at Hukilao, and it was, like, mm. a really big wave day. And, you know, like, you're always told that, like, the ocean is peaceful and calm, you know? But then I was like, man, like, the ocean is violent, you know?
2: Like, <laughs> Just it will smashing like these you. kids you. Yeah, there. it's
1: like... like Trying to boogie board. <laughs> I, I, I think... I, I wrote a poem, actually, that day, and it was, like... Um, there is a line in it. I don't know if I can remember, but it's something like the ocean The ocean is wild and free, not like how God wills our souls to be, you know. But, like, I feel like sometimes we think that the ocean is, like, just this big peaceful meditative space, but, like, it's, it's also pretty violent, you know. And I think that's true for a lot of nature.
0: Yeah, that idea I'm comes sure. out in... Moby Dick. And sure, that we've been
1: reading in class. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: everything just ties into each other. Yeah. <laughs> archetypal criticism is. Oh <laughs> we should
1: talk God. about that more because I'm behind. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah,
1: <laughs> catch up. Should we read it during class? <laughs> it's
0: got some some good passages. I yeah,
1: know. No, I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, it makes sense why it's so famous. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, this prose. Wow. It's heavy. Yeah. yeah.
1: I really do think it's funny. I don't I don't know if brother already agreed today, but I think it is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny book. But life is funny.
0: <laughs> well, I honestly forget what we were talking about. <laughs> we were just like in this groove. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the groove, the nature groove.
0: Yeah. Oh right, it was about well, nature. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like why is nature why do bad things happen? Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Right. So mm-hmm. just like the the essential question of life. Why do bad things happen? I've been doing some research about, like, Adam and Eve and just the value of chaos in, like, when people seek order. Yeah. So, basically, I wrote this paper about uh, Hester from The Scarlet Letter. Yeah, yeah. And it's about how her... She's like Eve because they both step into chaos on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. They go against the grain they go against the laws of their people mm-hmm. and even though they're supposed to come either directly from God or from like the people's perception of God right. they both learn through walking into chaos that's true yeah. so well, that's why bad things happen
2: sick tight connections no. <laughs> there
0: <laughs> at least that's what I argued in the paper
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Sure. and look I think the question is too is like is that God's will for chaos to happen or is it just something that he has to work with you <laughs> know
0: That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I guess in the paper, what I argued is that the serpent represented pure chaos and then God represented pure order. But since God made all the animals, he also made the serpent. serpent. So that's the tricky thing. It was like, you have to have chaos. Mm -hmm. And he set up this situation that was basically doomed to fail. Mm -hmm. It's like,
2: yeah. Well, he had to. (laughs) Yeah. It's very
0: interesting. It was like a mark of courage for Eve to. Be like, I saw that the fruit was good, and I wanted the knowledge. So Mm -hmm. she basically trades sin and death for knowledge.
1: She Ah. steps into it.
0: Yeah. It's like on purpose. It's a weird thing. Same thing as Hester.
1: Yeah, uh, we're also reading Paradise Lost in my Renaissance class, and that talks about that a lot, you know, because it's all about Adam and Eve. And, I mean, there's one view of viewing Eve as, like, the biggest... Idiot in all of humanity, like bringing all humanity on us. But then there's the other alternative view of, you know, she brought everything good Yeah. about humanity. You know, it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, the good comes from the bad.
1: Mm-hmm. A little Taoism. <laughs>
0: Everything's tied into each other. Yeah, yeah the chaos yeah. and order. Everything yeah. is mm-hmm. tied together. That's the, like, the white and the black paisley, yeah, the and the black. And, the black and, like, the white paisley. Right. That are intertwined.
1: Yeah, I'm actually trying to find this poem. I wish my... It's on my iPad, but <laughs> <laughs> my,
0: uh, my iPad's
1: dead. But um, I just wrote a poem about this topic. It's about contradiction. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, th- does the internet not work in here? I don't know, but...
2: I've been struggling with the internet this week. I don't know. So. Yeah, it's been
0: coming in and going in pockets. Yeah.
1: Anyway, at the at the end of the poem, I just say, contradiction is the universe's habit you know mm. and the poem is about how you know like at first we want to cling to good you know we just, want, we just want our lives to be good but I think that if we embrace <laughs> if we embrace the contradiction then life is a lot more enjoyable and so that's what it's about and I think God I mean everything's present before God and so like God is clearly aware of the contradiction and he lets it go on you know and so I think it's interesting to think of all the bad things in the world are allowed to go on because of God and like what what does that make of God's character you know like Mm -hmm. he must value what the bad can teach us enough to let it go on you know and I don't know if I could get myself to that point you know but.
0: what do you mean get yourself to that point?
1: Well, I mean, if I was God, I guess <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know like I don't know if like I could get to a point where I feel like, yeah, like it's worth the Holocaust is worth it mm-hmm. you know like like it, the Holocaust is worth what it can teach humanity, you know or right. something like that like God's mindset much must be like much bigger higher, higher better yeah. than ours, you know if that's the case and I don't know. I think that's one of the mysterious things about God.
0: Do you have any poems that address this besides the (laughs) contradiction one?
1: I I actually, I have this one I just wrote. um, It kind of contradicts it. It has a little bit of that biblical metaphor (laughs) in it. (laughs) Archetypes. I I could read it if if you guys want to read it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. This, I, I wrote it the other day and like, I don't know sometimes I feel like I write best when I'm really hungry <laughs> you're and tapping think, into your primal self yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> know what it flight. is must write <laughs> it's like my brain just like turns on you know I think yeah it's funny like all through all cultures there's fasting you know and people feel like they can reach some sort of higher mental state and I feel like when I'm just like starving student sometimes <laughs> I write better poetry so I don't, I don't know what it is but
0: maybe it's just from a really, okay, I am not into anatomy, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> when <Or> you,
0: but maybe it's like when you are not eating your, your blood that would go to your stomach right. is like just focused Can on see. everything else For and sure. it's not trying to digest. Cause if you're always eating and you're never taking a break, like your stomach's always going. So maybe you it's do. just you're letting your stomach take a, take a week off. It's yeah. <laughs> going be a long time. <laughs> yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've also thought about, like, what if you're, like, you know, a hunter-gatherer or something and, like, you're starving. Like, clearly you need to have your full mental capacities to find your food. Maybe that's it.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, quicker. Jeez. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. One uh, of those things might be true. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just speculation. We're just English majors just just speculating about
0: that's pretty much what being an English major is. It's yeah, like, this might be true. Speculation.
1: I can't put my finger on it, but this might be true. <laughs> Here's some proof. <laughs> Here's yeah. some but proof that other people have decide. said, that they're also saying it might be true. <laughs> 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 yeah. it's my research paper today.
0: It's all about the, the search. It's the journey. You know? <laughs> yeah. You can't just, like, attain it. That's
1: right. It'd be too easy. Um, yeah, so I'll read this. Um, so I don't have a title, but it's called... but. First line is well bulbous, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. And also, just a little disclaimer I don't really like reading my own poetry. I feel like I feel Carl, like I read it, <laughs> yeah. You can read it, Carl, I can if read you it.
2: <laughs> but I, I feel
0: know. like you'll have the emphasis, like, <laughs> yeah, better like, yeah, than yeah
2: maybe. I don't know. I haven't read these before,
0: so maybe if we read one more, you can read the other one.
1: Oh, okay. But. Um, I don't know. I'd I just feel like. My poems, like a lot of them, have different voices, and I don't feel like they're always my own voice. I guess it's yeah. like when you're writing a play, and like you have a bunch of different characters. You know, they're all different voices, and so I don't know if my voice is fitting to all of them. Anyway, but um, actually, yeah. Do you want to read it? Sure.
2: <laughs> I will sure <laughs> try. I have never like read poetry publicly. Well, that's like, fine. Oh, it's going first out to the people I know it's (laughs) exciting okay well the bulbous sylvian intensity of nature's forms alleviates the suffering of my early youth that dry dull dirge that sat at the back of my throat alleviated by Eden's pouring syrup and God's wicked Mm -hmm. bounty why is this is it really as clean and pure and slick I think it appears alive Doesn't it appear alive? I feel more brotherhood with the snake on its slimy sides, the the machina with its fallow hides. It seems a wicked destiny awaits me. For I love the works of sense and the vile forms of God, and I see a heavens that's more immense even than this rapturous sod. Sorry, is there more? No, that's it. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. I was trying to scroll. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, thanks for reading that. I like yeah. the sounds.
2: it
0: oh, wow. yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. Thanks. When you write, do you have, like, do you try to pay attention to the sound or are you just trying to get your ideas?
1: Yeah, I definitely pay attention to the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of what distinguishes poetry from prose is the way the words sound and mm-hmm. like the rhythm and so i always try to pay attention to like this is weird but kind of like how it makes my or how it makes like my mouth feel <laughs> like how yeah, how, yeah how it you know it. like how it makes your lips feel like the actual physical motion of saying the words
0: lemony snickets Snicket. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
2: i like that line about the syrup yeah will you read that again i don't know <laughs>
1: like. yeah um alleviated by Eden's pouring syrup wow and God's wicked bounty wow yeah so with this with this poem I, I was thinking a lot about like you know I mean God made the God made the world you know and the world is pretty sensual you know yeah. at least in my opinion <laughs> like right I think like all of nature is pretty sensual and like God made it and like Coming from a Christian perspective, like, we see sensual things as wicked and evil sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a lot of goodness in the sensual side of nature, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. and it depends, like, what are you defining sensual as? Yeah, well, I mean
1: the senses. I don't know, like, I feel like even the plants, like, the plants here in Hawaii, you know, like, the very, like, slick, like, oily plants, like, feel and seem very sensual to me, like, and, 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 like, very fertile, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I would say
0: that everything, at least our world, is very sensational. Sure. You know, everything comes from, like, a sense, like, you can. Perception. Yeah, yeah. like, the way you perceive it. And, basically, if God made it that way, like, Mm -hmm. it has to be able to be perceived by one of our five senses. Sure. Right. Or six, maybe we haven't tapped into yet, but. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe more. I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. This is so relevant. I don't even know why <laughs> How did this happened. But just the, like, the order that God creates the world in, mm-hmm. it's basically, like, he's moving through levels of consciousness of biological things. So, like, oh, wow. if you can separate the light from the dark, like, if you would be, like, an organism, like, a tiny little, like, microorganism that has just, like, a little eye spot that yeah. can see, like, light and dark. Right. And then mm-hmm. after that, it's... I know, like, the land from the sea.
1: Oh, you mean just, like, in Genesis?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. The, order. the order. he does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically he's moving through levels of consciousness, and then it ends with right. humans. So, yeah, he goes yeah. to, like, the the land and the water, and then that's, yeah. like, you know, like, people started in the, or, like, people, like, who believe in evolution. Right. I like it's not really believe in evolution. Evolution holds that. <laughs> <laughs> Things started in water. <laughs> they came on land. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm.
1: No, I've i actually thought a lot about that with Genesis because, you know, like, as a Mormon, you think about evolution, you know, right. and you read Genesis, and it's interesting that the way, like you say that God created things is kind of the same order as evolution. You know, it starts with
2: mm-hmm.
1: very basic things. I think it might even start with insects. I don't know. I can't remember. But, and then, but it, it definitely starts at the beginning with fish. Yeah. And then it goes up, 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 beasts and then humans,
0: you
2: know.
1: Yeah. Wonder if that's just like a big.
2: There's probably a connection.
1: Metaphor there. for yeah. evolution. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't think that religion and evolution are incompatible. No, like I a lot of people think, so. think like, oh, it's no, like incompatible. Neither.
1: But right, no, definitely not. I think, I think, think that could definitely be an explanation.
0: You know, people thought that we right. came from things that could just see light and dark, and then yeah. like right. it came through.
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of like just like saying, I don't think. Religion and reality are incompatible. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, we can see evolution happening, you know. Yeah.
0: And even after that, we were just regular people, you know. We mm-hmm. were some uh, early primate type thing. But True. then we, something happened. Like, we ate an apple and right. then we just, like, changed, you know. That now, now we know. We became self-conscious, you know. Yeah. Because do yeah. Because they, yeah. they realize that they're naked, so... At some point.
1: That's a level of new consciousness.
0: Yeah, it's like they <laughs> move a big up. consciousness
1: leap on <laughs> <laughs> naked. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some old wisdom packed into those <laughs> <laughs> short verses. Wow. I yeah.
2: didn't know I was getting what I was getting myself Deep into. into the theology today. today. <laughs> today. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> awesome though. Do you have any more poems you want to share with us? Maybe yeah. from your book?
1: Sure, yeah. Um You guys read some of these. Uh, yeah. Um, loved all of them. I could read uh, <laughs> this one, the black top one. Black top. One. Down. Um, this one's a lot different than that one I just read. Um, it's very much about society and government and the state of our world, and so it's not about nature. This was before I got into the Romantics. So. <laughs> That's okay. More,
0: maybe okay. even more T.S. Eliot-esque. It was when you were in the world and your whole perception was <laughs> man-made perception. Yeah, that's right. What was, are these machines?
1: <laughs> I was confused. No, um, yeah, th- this poem is interesting because when I wrote it, I feel like it's one of those where it just all flowed flowed out, you know? And I remember after I wrote it, I was like, oh, this, I don't like this poem at all. This all sucks. Right. And I, I actually remember talking on the phone with my mom and being like I just wrote this poem and like I don't like it (laughs) it's just really terrible I, I remember I thought about like just deleting it and um but I didn't and it's weird to me because I feel like writing it I tapped into some weird awareness I had of like what was going around on around me like in the news and stuff and it was weird this past election I was Thinking about Donald Trump, like we're all thinking about, and thinking about Hillary Clinton, and I feel like some lines from this were apl- are applicable to that election, which is weird. I don't know what that means, but when did you write this? I wrote this, uh, I think 2014. Oh, okay. Oh wow. So, yeah. Yeah, quite a while ago. But uh, yeah, I'll read it. And just a little uh, clarification, I use this symbol in this poem of tabletop sinks. And it refers to parenthood. so. Okay. And specifically, motherhood. And that might sound a little bit sexist, maybe, to <laughs> associate motherhood with tabletop sinks, but I mean it in the best way, I guess. <laughs> sure. All good intentions. Anyways, yep, blacktop. The world is a dark blacktop street with a store and poison concrete sun. Sand and cactus gardens with sign paint that peels off. Old hotel on the corner. Nobody listens for the sound it makes. Who would listen for the sound it makes? Like the call of a jackal or a wolf, howling at the peeling moon, the moon peels like the sun. The sun peels the paint and nobody knows where and how tabletop sinks play the part of defining moralists at play with the progress of the nation. And its people who do not care anymore whether murderers or plagiarists seek the position of defining office. And those offices in shambles due to lack of integrity stirred by the pot of jealousy, want, need, and greed which calls itself progress. But we know that progress comes from tabletop sinks. We know that progress comes from the home of those minds wandering in the dark of the back alley street in the bag of the leg, raised to ward off the predators of justice, to ward off all that is good. What is good if not tabletop sinks? Who is good now anyway? Who's to say if the sun comes up when it has never fallen down? And who's to say the moon never called the sun up for a party that went wrong and left the world lost? Who's to say when turquoise paint leaves the town for a bar and a drink and some baseboards that don't mean much? But God is in his church and he's calling, like a jackal or a wolf. And the soundproof walls of the church have the populace in disrepair and agony and a predicament so steep that nothing short of a jackknife and a colored sort of truth could save them. But those are in the garbage bin and nobody looks in the bin when it's already full of tortillas and old broken bottles of painted towns and deadbeat fathers and misplaced education. Save the bottles, throw them away and the world will become as bright as if the sun had never fallen. Shout the diseased.
0: Shout the diseased. I kind of messed up that last line. I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it. I love it. Wow. Yeah. yeah,
2: thanks.
0: That was my favorite one of the mm-hmm. poems that I read from yeah. your book. I guess your soon-to-be book. Yeah. How come? It just was interesting. Like, it was so many different ideas. And honestly, I am not 100% sure about what you intended everything to mean, but I guess no one really can be, but just the way that you, I don't know, compare the different forces of society, um, you, the way that you look at them, it's a, uh, and with the tabletop sinks, I didn't relate it to parenthood, but sure. I just thought it was, it was something that amongst all these like big forces, you have just like this little thing, you know, yeah, it's this simple, is, this si- yeah, simple, mm-hmm. I thought that was a good juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I really do think that simple things are what maintain our civilization, you know. It's it's what keeps our civilization in check, you know. Good good people and good families, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Good old values.
0: Yeah. <laughs> good old values,
2: <laughs> I guess. Family values. <laughs> no, that's awesome.
0: What's up with the last line? Shout the diseased. Yeah.
1: I think... For me, it's it's like an, it's an acknowledgement of my own ignorance, you know. I think, I mean, the poem is kind of in my voice and I I'm saying this is the way that society could be fixed, you know, but it's coming from a diseased person, you know, it's coming from somebody that's also in society and is also not free from society's sickness, you know, so I'm not completely trustworthy, I guess.
2: No one's above it. Everybody's in it. Yeah. Do you think that's why we can't fix it? Because we're all inside of it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's probably I mean. a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's important to go
2: to nature. Yeah. Is that a big theme in your collection of poems, or do you even have a theme, or is just pure uh, Scott? <laughs> I don't know. I
1: think it's. I think if there is a theme, it is mm-hmm. the thoughts from yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. thoughts from my past four years. You know, yeah. what's been on my mind. I don't know if that's a good enough theme.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, been, it's your theme. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about these ideas has been really interesting. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the actual process of you writing. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people, I mean, how long have you been writing in general? So since you were 13, so.
1: Uh, I think it's probably 15, 14, 15. I don't know. I don't know. It's like 2011 probably.
2: 2011. So okay. That's what. Wow. Yeah. Six years ago. It's a lot of time.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, where do you draw inspiration from, just besides, you know, thoughts of yesterday, just stuff you think about walking around town?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Bobbing downtown. I don't
1: know. (laughs) I think it depends on when I'm talking about, because um, different times, periods in my life, I I feel like I draw Mm. inspiration from different things, I guess. Lately, I feel like I've drawn a lot of inspiration from things I've read, you know, other ideas. But... A while ago I tried to my main purpose in poetry my poetry was to kind of excavate my mind and like excavate my subconscious and so that was my purpose and my inspiration for a long time so it was a lot of like inward Mm -hmm. focus you know and then um, I mean before that and during that time I was also influenced like with this last poem by you know current events and like the news and the things that swirl around us, you know, all the time. And so yeah, I think it depends
2: on the time period. Mhm. Do you try to write every day? Is it more like trying to get everything down? (laughs) Or are you just like, oh, this is a gold nugget, you know?
1: I I think especially with poetry, it's important to not force yourself Mm -hmm. into poetry. I think with novel writing and stuff like that and, like, obviously research papers, you 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 got to force yourself to the grindstone, you know? But I think there's something about poetry that, like, really good poetry really does come from inspiration. And when your thoughts are all kind of like when they all congeal into something and you just feel like you need to put it down. At least for me, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't, I don't feel like I write very good poetry when I sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a poetry about racism and this is how it's going to go, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. if maybe I'd been thinking about racism during the week and, like, I, after a long time of thinking about it, I sit down and I, f- I feel like writing about it, then I, then I will. Mm-hmm. You just
0: watch Zootopia? <laughs> yeah,
1: that, uh, that really would get mm-hmm. me going. Yeah. I like Zootopia, actually. It's a good movie. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's cool. So, when you get distur- like discouraged with writing, disturbed. you just you just stop. You <laughs> just like I'm disturbed. <laughs> disturbed, discouraged. You
2: get disturbed. <laughs>
1: I mean, I get discouraged.
0: Yeah. Like any advice for people out there just trying <laughs> to put together their own <laughs> collection of poems?
1: Yeah, I think. I think for a long time, I was really worried that, like... I think once I started writing writing poetry, I got worried that I would just lose it, you know? Like, I would just lose the desire to write and lose any ability that I do have. And so... And I'm kind of paranoid about those kinds of things. I'm, like, always kind of worried that, like, my life is going to change, I guess. And so, like...
0: Well, spoiler alert, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a bummer, huh? But, uh... Yeah, so... In the past, yeah, I've been worried that like I would lose my ability to write and like sometimes I would get discouraged like oh, like I have no inspiration. But I think the biggest thing that's helped me is I don't know if somebody told me this or what, but like if I don't know what to write, then I just write about not knowing what to write. <laughs> like yeah, I write of about writer's block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just write about writer's block, you know. And and that seems to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it's you get into, like, why
2: is this happening? Yeah
0: <laughs> Just gets into like
2: yeah. your consciousness, and yeah, absolutely.
1: So then it's less about just like writing about certain things. It's just about writing about what you're feeling. like if you're feeling like, oh, I'm too discouraged to write write about being discouraged, to write And then
2: you're like, all right.
0: Yeah. yeah, would you say it's fair to say like the best poetry comes from like tapping into like the ether like just the the for <laughs> like the inspiration that mm-hmm. comes. And then, like, when you revise, that's when you really bring, like, the grindstone, like...
1: Yeah, so I I think, like like I was saying earlier, like, for me, it really comes back to the romantics. Like, William Wordsworth had this idea where, you know, poetry is, like, inspiration recollected. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, like, something like inspiration recollected in tranquility. So, like, he would, you know, go out into nature and, like, feel a lot of emotion, you know but he wouldn't write the poem right then necessarily like maybe later in his life he would write about that feeling you know and recollect and kind of like compose it into like a synthetic whole or a not synthetic like a cohesive whole mm-hmm. you know and like i think for me like i'll write when i'm inspired you know but and when i feel like it's coming from somewhere else like i guess from the ether I guess but like (laughs) but but and I think that is really important to write like that but I also think that if you just leave it like that it's going to be pretty like messy and like terrible most of the time I think rarely you get a poem that's completely finished just after that first inspiration but sometimes I think you do like this this one blacktop was pretty close um but I think there's a lot of value in going back after that initial burst of inspiration and like trimming it, manicuring it, you know, just making it flow better, fixing the rhythm, fixing the specific words. Like that poem I just read you guys today about nature and sensual things, like I couldn't think of a word in there when I first wrote it. And so I just Mm -hmm. put a placeholder word in there you know but I knew what I wanted to convey but I just Mm -hmm. couldn't think of the word for it and so I think there's a lot of value in like after the initial inspiration uh, yeah manicuring it into something that's more beautiful and flows better Mm
2: -hmm. how long do you let those pieces sit like you know how you write something down you're like okay this is awesome I'm happy with it but I know I gotta revise it like how long do you let that sit or do you have
1: uh, I mean it depends I mean that's what's so hard about like compiling a book, you know, because like I feel like, even though I do re- revise something to mm-hmm. something that I like, like I feel like it's not exactly right. Right, you know, I I, I listened to this <laughs> I listened to this podcast about about artists a while back. I think it was Malcolm Gladwell, but he was talking about um, different kind of artists. Some artists that you know they are always tinkering. With their artwork, you know, they're never finished with their painting or whatever. And then there's other kinds of artists that will just have flashes and be done, you know. And I think I probably tend towards the tinkering mm-hmm. tinkering side. and so always fixing, always fixing. And like, like I was just looking back at some poems that I wrote a long time ago, like three years ago, and most of them are crap. you know, most of them are really <laughs> bad. And then, but I found like, two or three where I was like, I like these, but I'm going to edit them, you know, mm-hmm. and change them and, like, make them, uh, make them flow better.
0: So. so, basically, you just wait until you feel like you should go back to it? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a set rule. Uh, That's in other words. Cool. Yeah. That's
0: cool. Yeah. It's but, not, a, not a machine.
2: It's poetry. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's poetry. I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to feel like I have to do poetry. Right. Yeah. So. It's fun.
2: Yeah. For you. It's, yeah, it's enjoyable yeah. for me. Is that why you decided you just woke up one day? You're like, this would be cool as a book, like, as a collection.
1: I was actually thinking a lot about how I don't like digital things. Yeah. You know? And, Mm -hmm. like, I don't trust digital things. True English (laughs) culture form? Yeah. (laughs) You Luddite. (laughs) Yeah. Complete Luddite. I'm like, I don't know. We're using microphones right now. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. It's all good. You should record this on a piece of paper.
0: Um, (laughs) Just a transcript. (laughs) Yeah.
1: shorthand for all you fellow luddites out there no um I, what was i what was
2: i saying I can't how remember. did you, you i guess technology yeah, t- 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 yeah. Technology. yeah.
1: no printing a book uh-huh i i had a computer a while back and i was stupid and i took it to the beach oh and that's yeah. a very stupid idea you know <laughs> and like almost I, always yeah. almost
2: always yeah
1: always probably and i it got wet it's a terrible terrible situation and I lost a lot of stuff you know and so there's something about for me just having something printed out where I can feel like well if the digital version is corrupted (laughs) at least I have the print version if the print version Mm -hmm. like catches fire at least I have the digital version right so it's more like for myself I don't know like I would love it like if other people read my poetry and I feel like I write with the purpose of other people reading, but I don't know. I don't know if people are that interested in poetry these days in general, so
0: I hope so. Yeah. Very
2: cool. You can get them interested Yeah. with your book. What's your experience
0: cool. with publishing things before? I mean, I guess, like, what's your plan for publishing it? Do you just want to print a book and give it to people?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I have had two poems published in, like, little, Literary journals, and so there's that, but
0: this um, <laughs> is a little offhand. This is that.
1: No, I'm, I'm so offhand about it, cause it's like one of them was in Kathmandu. <laughs> like, I don't know who's reading literature in Kathmandu. Maybe some monk is like loving my poem up in
0: the. Where's Kathmandu? It's like in Nepal. Yeah. Dude, what if they're like using it as like a spiritual ritual? <laughs> <laughs> Super inspired.
2: We gotta find this guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. That's
0: probably an ignorant thing to say. I don't know anything <laughs> about it. Yeah, sorry.
1: That's probably some sort of racism in there. No, they love it. I'm sure they love your... Yeah, yeah, maybe they be good nice for I love, publicity. I love, <laughs> I love Buddhist monks, so there's, yeah, I have nothing go. against them. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I've tried that, that direction before, but um, with this, I just wanted to print out a book and have it for myself first, you know, so I could... Leaf through it with my own hands, and then see like how it flows, just like a little rough draft print, you know. And then, once I think I'll show it to some other people and see like how they think it it works, you know, what they would do. Mm-hmm. And then once I get it how I want it to be, then I would think about you know, peddling it
0: out to publishers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> peddling.
2: It. Yeah. Awesome. A
0: little market sample, and then uh, yeah, yeah, That's That's taking sure. on a on on
2: resume. Yeah. It's very cool. Awesome.
0: Alright, uh any other things you wanna go over?
1: Um, I do wanna say one thing that in an attempt <laughs> in an in attempt to make poetry palatable to other people, I've I got I got really into like folk music, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's also a big part of my writing now. Like I try to write music too and I think that's it's an interesting facet of poetry and poetic composition. I don't know why I wanted to bring that up, but
2: yeah.
1: Just a little plug I that like I think folk, folk music, music is can be poetry, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean lyrics have always been
2: mm-hmm.
0: Sure. poetry. Yeah. Bible versus mm-hmm. songs. Lyric. Yeah, songs.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, well, very cool. This has been a good time. Yeah,
2: thank you for oh, coming thank you. on and
0: Beyond the English us. vortex. Yes.
1: <laughs> Sorry for chatting so much.
2: No. no Where can the people follow you? Like, oh, around the halls. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: so if you guys fly out to uh, <laughs> <Yay>, Hawaii.
1: <laughs> no, uh, I actually didn't have a phone until. I'm a real Luddite. I, uh, I didn't have a phone until yesterday. But um, wow. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I did Fresh a few on the months market. ago. I, I, I smashed it, but. um. Yeah, so I suppose maybe Instagram.
2: Okay.
1: Scott underscore Russell. I think there's a lot of underscores <laughs> under the...
2: I can't remember, but you can try to find me. <laughs> or <laughs> just hunt. come find his book. Yeah. You can yeah. Go come find there. Well, maybe thoughts, don't find well, me in
0: person. Could be thoughts for yesterday? Thoughts, thoughts of yesterday? Thoughts from, from? yesterday. Uh, Those prepositions.
2: <laughs> come, on. come on. Thoughts no, of. That's from. awesome. Yeah.
0: Thoughts from yesterday.
2: Awesome. Oh, yeah, Thanks. thanks for
1: having me. No
0: been great. stuff. It's a <laughs> privilege. It's
2: fun. It's a privilege. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This was the Zeno Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Xeno Podcast.
0: That's X-E-N-O podcast. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, uh, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at podcastzeno at gmail.com.
2: This podcast was brought to you by BYU Hawaii's Reading and Writing Center. Thanks for learning by listening.